Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. In this episode, we spoke with Emma Scott. And what an episode it was. She was so charismatic. Uh, she has so many interesting stories. Uh, yet again, it's only me doing the recap. Everything is just so bonkers. Yet again, the schedule is manic. We love it. Uh, we're on the eve of doing pre-production. We are back out on the road next week uh, doing a, a run of headline dates ending in Rockstock, uh, Planet Rock Rockstock, which we're headlining. So yeah, we, we literally did the episode, which was 85 for the visual on YouTube last night with Emma. Uh, stories of Dave Grohl. Chad from Nickelback. It, it was just bonkers. Her days with Kerrang, uh, retiring from radio, doing plug-in baby, and now obviously back uh, out of retirement, uh, working for Primordial. Like I said, just so many funny stories. I'm going to keep it there. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are <laughs> Straight in, we? Yeah, let's go straight in. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, Crow family, please welcome the wonderful Emma Scott. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't put it on after I put my headphones on. Oh, Roddy. <laughs> Hello. What's up, Emma? Sorry. How are we, lovely? I try not to catch his bloody germs. I'm good, wow. thank you, my lovely. How are you? I'm very good. Some Halloween stuff there. Is it on the fireplace still? No, that's just my usual filth. Uh, I don't really clean up very uh, much. I just don't say no more, yeah. I, I like Halloween Halloween. because you can just be dirty. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, moving on. Moving on. But yes, this is um mm, that was my daughter's party. She chucked me out of the house and everything. She had her mates around. Oh, is it? How old is your daughter? Get, uh, Seventeen. There was no sick this time. Sometimes there's sick when I come home. <laughs> I'm treading over sick. I'm like, what the? Mind you, there was a massive uh, blanket in the washing machine, and it did, uh, yeah, I think somebody's done something on it. But anyway, I got that out today. Anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about sick. It's <laughs> bad, isn't yeah. it, coming on here, talking about sick and filth and Ronnie <laughs> having, not, not having COVID. So I haven't got COVID. It's a, it's a joke. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was ill over the weekend, and we just did a mic test with Emma and I was coughing all the way through it. And she said, I think you've got COVID. It's just um, rude. So I've actually sent her my negative test, Shane, as you do. I know. I I've literally sent it to her straight away. It was like, told you I haven't got COVID. So, yeah. Mm. I'm all right. Okay. I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, did mask. you have your hot toddy? I had a little one, yes. Um, but Good. I got to admit, it was way too much. I cut out sugar Um and even a little bit of honey, um, I said I was going to have like a little hot toddy and even the little bit of honey in it just completely blew my mind. Like just like that oh. bit of sugar. I was like, oh my God. Oh um, so I've left it there. It was a bit too much for me. Yeah, it can be at your age, can't it, love? Sad times, sad times. It just gets a bit. Point now. <laughs> oh, like the anyway. uncle at the wedding in there. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking nice really well, Emma. Oh, thanks, love. I'm having a bit of a hot flush, if I'm honest. 
<laughs> I said to Ronnie, he said, is there anything you don't want to discuss? I said, don't discuss my hot flush. So I've just discussed it. And you just brought it up, yeah. In typical Emma, in uh, yeah, I just, I'll just do it before anyone else can do it. But yeah, I do, I do get a little hot, hot thing. And I, I was saying to Ronnie earlier, I used to have to have green makeup to, uh, you know, get that down. It's because I'm excited. I'm excited to be on. So, uh, yeah, you're looking great as well, my two lovelies. It's very That's nice so to good be to here. See you. I, I remember the start of um, lockdown. You you were kind of doing the videos with all the gym. Are you still doing that? The, like the, the weights oh. outside in the back and stuff? Well, I have got my little uh, gym outside, yes. I don't go out there much. It's too cold. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I am still training, but not as yeah. much. I had a break because, you know, I had to go and do that whole – um master's degree thing Ooh, having to uh, use my brain and um it was like my world was ending because the brain was using up so much energy i couldn't do any training so i stopped training for eight months and um just getting back into it now just awesome. trying to learn how to do a chin-up <laughs> terrible oh, i mean I, I i was really excited the other day because i managed to do six and and um my trainer reminded me that i used to be able to do 17 and i was like no no. I've always, anyway, I've always struggled with chin-ups in the gym. That's because you're a big boy, isn't it? You've well, got a you lot know. to carry. You know. <laughs> I, uh, I am. I, I am a big boy. <laughs> um, big ass, big thighs, and just heavy. Don't go. Don't heavy. Put, yeah, that's all I am. It's just heavy. So don't put anything naughty in the comments there. Um, I was referring <laughs> to my weight. Just heavy. He's, he's he's tall. He's very tall. So how many can you do any chin ups Oof, like this one? I can get to my one. third. I can get to my third chin, but I can't get to the first one. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like, this is the problem. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, I um I'm I'm getting back into training. And you? You're still working out? I pre I presume. I'm um I'm just I'm just swimming. Um I haven't oh, yeah. I haven't stepped foot in a gym to be honest for a long time. Um. I'm swimming, cycling. Um, I did a bit of running, but that's not good on my joints right now because I'm heavy. Um, so I'm trying to stay off the heavy. I'm trying to stay off the impact stuff. Swimming is incredible. I absolutely love it. If I don't go swimming um, yeah. every day, it really bothers me. I love it. It's, it almost it's psychological as well. It just calms me down. Yeah. Uh, the breathing and stuff. I think it really helps with gigging and what have you. So um, yeah, swimming Ooh. is my thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't like to get too wet. I just did scuba diving in Egypt, and and it was too wet. I heard this. You know, yeah, there was a, scuba yeah, diving. Yeah, I just did that. I'm now qualified. I can I, do. I do a few things. I tried it when I went to Cyprus, and I've had. I told the boys I had um, problems with my year afterwards. I had a bit of glue year. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing that's freaked what? me out with it. Otherwise, I thought it was amazing. My ear took two weeks to come back, and it, it was yeah horrific. I'm going to get earplugs next time I go. Yeah, I was told earplugs. this afterwards, afterwards. I wouldn't like I blowing my nose out because you have to blow your nose out the whole time. Don't clear your ears, they call it, don't they? Don't. And 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 diving, scuba diving is horrible when you because <laughs> there's so much snot in your mask. It's yeah. literally. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how it happens. It's just science, right? And when you're coming up and when you come to the surface. Your diving buddy is supposed to check your nose and see what's in your mask. And in my case, I had loads of snot and loads of blood as well. So it was really attractive. And I'd be, I'd be like, you know, pulling my mask up and then going, 
you know, it was absolutely disgusting. It is not a female-friendly sport. However, I still did it. And uh, it's just, there's just so much snot. Just, just, it's just <laughs> disgusting. Where does it even come from? How, how, anyway, how did you go? 18 meters. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's the, if I go on a, an advanced course, um, I think you can do 30. But I was quite happy with 18. I'd have been happy with snorkeling, to be honest. But I had to do it. It was one of my Emma things that I had to do. And I did it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a midlife crisis. Hashtag midlife crisis. <laughs> I have a few of those. There's a few of those going off. But anyway, you're doing Primordial's gig. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that amazing. Gig, it yeah. is going to be amazing. We just did, right? So it's getting bigger every year. And, um, God, is that a frog in my throat? <clears throat> no, it's fine. Um, and just, uh, I do a show on Primordial. Sorry, I should have said. I don't know if you don't know who, who I am or what I do. <laughs> I, I do a little bit of radio every now and again. I've done a few years of radio. And uh, I do a show on Primordial Radio on Saturdays, one till three. And, yeah, we announced on Friday that these boys here are uh, headlining the Friday night. Hello, hello. Um and yeah, it is well worth getting your tickets now because it will sell out. It literally will. It, there's no, there's no hanging about. It will sell out. And it's gone from a uh, a small little intimate thing to um, this year being really big. Uh, it happened in sept. I want to say September. I think it was September that it happened. The last one, Skindred were headlining. Terrorvision were there. Um, there's loads of good bands. It was a, but it was an all dayer. And then I think they had like an acoustic thing the day before. I can't remember. I only went on the one day and I ended up serving behind the bar. <laughs> that was another midlife crisis thing. I, I said, I'm going to work behind the bar. This is going to be okay. I can, I can imagine you behind the bar, one for you, one for me. One for you. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. You know, I didn't even sip anything. There were drinks sat there waiting to be collected and nobody didn't. I could have, I could have just necked one. However, <laughs> I was driving, so obviously. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. But no, it was great, and everyone loves it. And, and the thing about Primordial is they made me come out of radio retirement because they're Primordial, because it's it's all about rock, it's all about metal, and it's all about community, and it, it's like a big family. So um, be prepared to have another couple of thousand people in your fam because um, that's how it is, Primordial. It's great. So, um, yeah, next April 23rd, 22nd and 23rd, and you're doing the 22nd. Well, right. we, yeah, we met we met Pete um, when we were on the road. Was that in January 2020? That was. We were on the yeah. road, and we did a, a little little segment for his radio show uh, with him. Um, then I think we were geared up to do something. It just didn't didn't add up. Um, and a lot of our friends keep saying about it, to be honest. And then when we did downloads, the guys were really supportive because they were trying to get in the tent at the time when we first played downloads. Um, and they just kept banging on about it, you know, um, th this band, and they were they were keeping on rawing us. Um, so it's really nice mm. to go back now and, like, you know, thank everybody who, who was supporting us and, and like mm. you said, pick up new fans as well, like, you know, because I know yeah. we've got a very cult-esque following, like, you know, so which is mm. really cool. Yeah, there's some weirdos, but, uh, you know, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, no, they're all great. Primordial listeners are the best. They are. It is like fam, and that's why, I, I, you know, I, I, they were asking me for a, a while to go uh, on air and just, you know, do a show, and I just kept saying, no, 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 it's not happening, it's not happening. And the more I got into the station, the more I thought, you know what, I can't, 
can't stay in radio retirement any longer. I've got to, I've got to come on. So um, yeah, I started a little show during lockdown. Funnily enough, had nothing else to do. So um, yeah, so I, I do Primordia. Primordia is very good, by the way. It's it, it is as you say, it's a subscription based radio station. So they don't play any adverts. That's the whole idea of it. There's no ads. It is just music and DJs. That's it. Very cool. Very but this is how you started in the industry, isn't it, Emma? Like you went straight from school into radio, was it? Well researched, Shane. Very well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yes, boss. I left school at 16 uh, with three GCSEs to my name, and I um, got a job in radio at my local radio station. I live in St. Neots in Cambridgeshire, and my local radio station was in Bedford, which is about 12 miles away. And, uh, yeah, I was 16, and they gave me the chance to do a youth training scheme, YTS, back in the olden days. Us oldies can remember that, but you guys won't, of course. Um, too young. I don't think you know how old I am, but, yes, I do remember that, YTS. <laughs> I'm being nice, love. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Primordial Radio Fest was so good. Yeah, Michael Davis. See, we love Michael. Um, I saw that comment. I liked that, Ronnie. You're very flash with those buttons. It's very Thank you very good, much. Isn't it? Sorry, yeah, that was a bit obviously as well. Um, yeah, so I started in radio when I was 16. Um, I did a two-year YTS thinking that was it, and then I was going to join the police force. Um, that's That's what I really wanted to do. Um, and then I just got stuck in radio and and... 33 years later, here I am. And, um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I stopped radio after 25. It, that was in 2013. And I was at a bit of a crossroads. And I, and then I started plugging baby. So uh, I didn't really know what I could have done. I didn't want to do it. Oh, look, there, there's my logo. Um, I didn't really have any qualifications and I didn't have any experience in a normal job. I'd done 25 years in radio presenting um i had put on gigs as well i used to do emma scott present shows um i'd written a book um a co-runner record label uh tv tv presenting i did kind of you know i was just uh, doing the industry stuff so i didn't really know what to do but um i thought well instead of being on the radio i'll try and get musicians on the radio so i'll try radio plugging for a bit till i decide what to do and here i am eight years later still doing bloody radio plugging damn it <laughs> It's <laughs> a horrific job. Why, it's a thankless task. Why you plug in them? Why why like why oh, why I PR? Don't know. I what, don't was it, know. Did Load somebody say rubbish. to you oh, you'd be really good at doing this? Or did you know like a network of no. bands or I I had started doing a bit of plugging. So I was basically doing my radio show. I was at, um for the last four years of my um my microphone keeps going down. It's very annoying. So it's the one in the picture that you showed. It looks nice, but I don't think it works. Anyway, um Sorry, where was I? Oh yeah, what was I talking about? <laughs> Leaving radio. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Why? Why? why, why oh, why did I do that? Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At that, at that time, I was doing Heart, um, and we used to play like five or six songs in a row. So I'd have to do something while the songs were on. <laughs> it was really boring. Um, and I, you know, you're only allowed to talk for twelve seconds every twenty minutes. So I thought, well, I'm gonna have to do something. So. Um, me and my ex-husband, we, we had a record label, and as part of the record label, we looked after our roster, and I got um, told I was going to do the radio plugging because I knew about radio. 
um, and I had a few radio contacts. And so, I, yeah, I spent a um, little bit of time while in between the 25,000 songs that you have to play on heart back to back. I spent all that time researching radio shows and DJs and connecting with them and building up my little black book. And um, when I, when we were doing the record label, yeah, I, it was my job to do the PR and the, you know, the radio plug-in. And uh, when I left Heart and I didn't have a job, I thought, well, I might as well try and do this because I can't do anything else. I would have liked to have joined the police force at that point, but I don't think that was a good time. Um, yeah, and then I wanted to join the fire service. I wanted to do many things, but, yeah, I'm stuck doing plugging at the minute. So, uh, but yeah, I do, I do, I do quite well. It's, it's, um, it's quite, it's quite a good um, job, really. I shouldn't moan. I work with some really good musicians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I know, when we, we, nice we did our, when we did our kind of research um, interview, <laughs> um, you're talking about musicians. Wow, there's some what? proper name drops here. That you've well. Uh, well, I mean, I've, 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 um, I, I remember being in between Chad Kroger's knees once. <laughs> that was a, I mean, you I as like well. yeah, I, I, I mean, what was he like with you <laughs> when you were between his legs? <laughs> I mean, I found him very gentlemanlike, very gentle. Um, this has come, a, this has come across really badly. I was in, I was interviewing Chad Kroger. It was at, um, the um, we'll get on to Dave Grohl and Corey Taylor in a bit. I think um, I was interviewing. I think we were at the NIA. Was that a name drop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> massive ones. You love the name dropping. The Ooh. stories are great, right? So Chad and Chad and I. Oh, he was lovely. Um, he he took me into <laughs> he took me into a massage room, and because um, there was quite a lot, it was like a prayer, as you do, as you do. Not phased at all, Shane. Um, I, you do know this is live, right? <laughs> no, I, I thought we were going to edit this bit later. We'll edit we, it after. We'll edit it after. Yeah, yeah get rid of this because I mean there is filth coming up, right? So what happened was, I'm only joking. I love it. It was a press thing, and there was people from TV, local TV, Birmingham, and there were other radio presenters. And Chad knew he had me, and, and because I was, at, he had me. Um, because I was at Kerrang, he he saw he saw me as more important than the other radio stations. I was like, yeah, get in there, bonus. And um, I said, oh, I don't. I, I said I don't really want to do an interview in front of all these people. He says, I know. Let's go into this side room. And so just me and him went into this massage room. And there's a massage table there, and and nothing happened. He sat on a little settee. And I don't like, when you're interviewing someone, you want to be facing them, don't you? You want to be, you know, the mic, because you've got a microphone when you're out of the studio. It's much better doing a radio interview when you're in a radio studio. But so I was holding, trying to hold my mic and I didn't, I wanted to eye contact him. Um, so I thought, well, there, there's nowhere to sit. There were no chairs, just a little settee and this bloody massage table, which obviously we didn't do anything on. Um, and um, I said, I'll just sit down here. And I got on my knees in front of him in between his legs. And that's how I did the interview. I, rested, <laughs> I, I had my elbow on his, um, I, uh, COVID, I had his elbow on my, um, hang on, my elbow. <laughs> I had my elbow on his knees. And, and that's how I managed to do the microphone. And uh, that was a lovely interview. He was lovely. And his brother, Mike, who is also lovely from the band. I interviewed Nickelback a few times. They were always very nice. Dave Grohl, he's all right. Uh, who else? Jared Leto, he was nice. I was on the back of his bus. 
He's got lovely eyes. Literally, <laughs> you could die in his eyes and not care. And I was looking at it, I was like, Jared, Jesus, man, you expect me to bloody do an interview with you? And he was like, I like your hair. Because it was, it was black, it was black, it was my black and red face. He goes, that, and that was um, his fans, the uh, 30 Seconds to Mars fans, they all like red and black. And I, I, he says, yeah, you got, you got the look going on. I was like, yeah, okay, I can't look at you. I can't look. Don't look. I can't see. No, don't, no. So, yeah, he, he was very nice. He was nice. He was very nice. Anyway, I'm going to try not to talk too much. What else Why do you want to know? Corey Taylor? <laughs> Corey. Oh, now, the Corey one. All right, this is, this is quite amusing, and it actually taught me something. Corey Taylor is a lovely guy as we know, beautiful, beautiful human. And um, I was doing my show at Kerrang! And he did, I was in Studio A in Kerrang! And Loz Guest was in Studio B at Kerrang! I think he was, I, I must have been doing my drive time show or my mid-morning show. And and um, they'd, they'd come in for a live at Kerrang! session. So they were doing an acoustic show. And I think it was just Jim from the band and Corey. I don't know, it must have been a really acoustic thing of just two of them. Anyway, um, so I got given Corey. I think I was live on air and Loz was pre-recording for his drive time show or whichever. I think he was doing evenings. And um, me and Corey were getting on so well and we were chatting about his kids and, you know, and, and um, just life and his masks and how how much they stink. And, uh, you know, they, they, he said they are rancid. They are just filth. And 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 then, um, and then we'd talked for too long, basically. And Loz had sort of banged on the door as if to say, come on, hurry up, wench. I'm I'm trying to do an interview with him as well. And I was like, shit, all right, okay, I'm really sorry. I said, I said sorry, Corey. I said, um, you know, Loz needs to do the interview with you. So anyway, so I said goodbye to Corey. He goes from Studio A into Studio B. And you know you can listen to between studios usually, and you like you might be able to listen to your vocal booth, Shane, or you know, or whatever. And and I so I listened across the studio B just to because I was I was just being nosy, and and I so I listened to what Loz and Corey had said, and Loz said, oh, he said, um, you finally got an ear then, did you, mate? Um, you've been you've been chatting to Emma for quite a long time, and he went, dude, have you seen that rack? And I was <laughs> I was like. I didn't even know what a rack was. And I had to Google it. And and I realised he's talking about my chest. But um I didn't realise he was looking at me in that way. I just thought we were chatting about our kids and stuff. But anyway, Corey Corey Taylor's great. And uh, the last time I interviewed him was at Download, backstage at Download 2009, their year. And my kids were there as well. My kids were nine and four. And we were waiting to do the interview where I... Yeah, we were all waiting together. Um, the kids were there just enjoying themselves backstage. And um, I was waiting for Corey to come through. And I was like, shit, I hope he's not wearing his mask because they're going to be absolutely howling when he comes towards them in his bloody stinky, horrible mask. But he didn't. So that was okay. He didn't scare the kids. Um, and again, he took me to a, a quiet area and uh, we had a lovely chat. So, yeah, that was the last time I spoke to Corey. But we, it used to be that you could just phone them up and, and just say, all right, love, how's it going? And he'd go, all right, love, it's so back. Very nice. I like that. <laughs> how's it going, love? Yeah, I'm all right, love. But his voice is a little bit deeper. But he would always try to imitate my love. All right, love. Corey. I don't think, 
I can see another him. Corey Taylor interview without him going, Oh, hi, love. All right, love, how's it going? How's it going, love? <laughs> how's your rack? How's your rack? Dude, dude. It was, you have to go, you've got to get the dude right. Dude, you see that rack? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I've embarrassed myself now. Edit that bit later. We don't need that in. We'll yeah, edit that. We'll edit that. What about Dave? Dave. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of good Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor, bloody hell, he's a DJ I used to work with. Dave Grohl and Corey, not Corey Taylor, the other one, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you see that? I'd already interviewed Dave by the time that, that picture happened. That was at the Kerrang Awards 2005 um, in London. That was my first shift for Kerrang Radio, um, live shift. I'd done like a year of um, Sunday shows while I was still at my radio station in, on the South Coast, Power FM. So I used to do six days a week at Power FM, and then I'd do my one show a week at Kerrang, and I did that for a year. So I was doing seven shows a week, and I just popped the second child out, the one that's partying now, 17 years ago. So um, I, but when I was at the Power FM radio station, I used to do um, like a indie show, rock show, and just like, it was a free choice show, and you just never have that at radio, uh, like, a, like a big station, like a global radio station or a Bauer radio station, and um, Power was global, except it wasn't owned by Global then. So to, to have a free choice radio show was absolutely amazing. Um, and I had three hours to fill. So as a result, I, I got to do all the interviews with the with the rock bands that would never get on Power FM, you know, because it was a pop station. And so uh, I was lucky enough to get Dave and uh, Taylor. But uh, the first time I interviewed them, it was an ISDN interview. And it's a basically... I couldn't, it was like a high quality phone line interview through the desk, you know, and they were in London in a studio in a booth and they'd just, they'd, they'd just sit there and, and just have what, like 15 minute session with every different radio DJ that wanted to interview them. And I think they were promoting that. Um, I think there was one side, one side was a normal studio album and the other one was an acoustic album. And that was, I don't know when it was, 2005. can't remember what it's called. I never remember anything. I don't even know what my name is half the time. So anyway, so we did this ISDN interview. So, and we, I, so I couldn't see them. But um, I, and I love the band. And we were chatting away. And, I, and so I'm just sort of sitting here asking the questions. I can't see them. And I hear this burp. And I was like, what was that? And Dave says, oh, that was a Taylor burp. And I said, well, I said... I'm glad you done you've done that because I really wanted to belch. I've been I've been holding one back the whole time. Well, you wench because we discussed my certain my my nickname was wench. He goes, "Come on, wench. Let's have a burp then." And uh, and I was then trying to get my burp out. In the meantime, Taylor carries on belching. He's vile with his belching. Then Dave joins in. So all I can cuz I can't see them. All I can hear in my in my headphones are these bloody burps coming at me from all angles and they were going come on wench you've got a you've got a burp and I was like I can't do it now I can't do it on demand so it was horrific and I just had all this burping and I didn't edit it out I, I put it out on air like that and I've got it on cd somewhere and I absolutely love it but about a week later or two weeks later uh, it was the Kerrang Awards and it was my first proper show on Kerrang and I was doing a show uh, live from the red, like the red carpet and also from the uh, event and we were interviewing bands and everything in the green room and it was amazing and uh, Foo Fighters were there or at least Dave, I think uh, they might have all been there but D Dave was definitely there and uh, they, I saw Dave walking, Dave, all right Dave, all right, Dave. I, saw, 
I saw him checking the um you check the room that it's like when you turn up at a wedding, you know, the seating plan. And so everyone you're like, you know, um, I don't know who was there. I can't remember. Dragon Force are on, you know, table 10. And and Foo Fighters and Killing Joke were on that table. And so-and-so was there and Metallica were there or whatever, right? So Dave had gone over. He was on his own. He was just minding his own business. And he went to check the um, the seating plan. And he worked out which table he was on. But then he started looking at the other seating plan names. And he, and he noticed um, that um, the guy from Killing Joke was on a table near him. So... Um, he he was heading over to see the dude from Killing Joke. And I said to the guys at Kerrang, I said, look, I said, I think, I, I think I've got to go for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after him. And they said, Don't do it. You can't go after Dave Grohl. I said, but I only interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. I feel as if, you know, we've got a connection. Don't do it, Emma. It was it's so embarrassing. Just think about, you know, what you're trying to do. And I was working at the time. I was supposed to be doing a show, but I was like, it was in between links. It was fine. I said, no, fuck it. I'm off. I'm, I'm going. So I could see him. I, I, he was walking fast because he had he was a man on a mission. He was trying to get to Mr. Killing Joke. And I was like, I got close. I was running after him, got close to him. I was like, Dave. And I, and I can picture him now. He was just, just a little bit ahead of me. And he spun around. I went, I'm the wench. And he went... <laughs> Oh, you're the wench. And I, it was just so sweet. And I said, and I, I you know, gave him a hug, as you do. And uh, I said, can we have a quick picture? And that was before the cameras, you know, you had to use a camera. I had to use the proper camera for that picture that you put on earlier. Um, and and uh, yeah, he that, that one, that was a little camera, not a phone. Um, and look at him. He's all smart in his black shirt. Bless him. And I'd he looks like he's ready to boot, to be honest. Like... <laughs> he probably was. He's just absolutely filthy with his belching. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So yeah, that was my. That was that was. Uh, I just, I just, you know, those moments. Those, like, there's just a split second. Oh, you're the wench, and uh, we, you know, it, he was lovely. And then he says, "I gotta go and see Killing Joke," and I was like, "Okay, I'll leave you to it then." And I, and then I ran from the the main hall. Like the dinner hall in the, in the Kerrang Awards, and there's the stage in front and everything. I ran up to the press room and I was like gliding. I, I was like doing this aeroplane through the whole of the press room, and then I went round and round in circles. And my boss at Kerrang was there, and he was like, "Come on, Emma, what, what's going on?" And I collapsed on the floor, and I was like, "I can die happy now. I've just ran after Dave Grohl," and he was like, oh, "I was so excited, you know." It might have been too, you know, like they might not have been bothered that they can say hi to Dave Grohl, but I was because it was Dave Grohl yeah. and he was so lovely. So, uh, yeah, there's my stories. I don't know how, how many more I've got, really, because I forget most things. <laughs> You've had a few gems there. They were good. No, I that's incredible. Them. Oh, I wrote it for Chris from the Foo Fighters as well because he played a, a gig for me. And uh, oh, that's a funny, uh, it's a sweet story, actually, because I um, used to do my Emma Scott Presents gigs in Birmingham. And um, Shifty, Chris Shiflett, he played in another band called Jackson United, and I booked them to headline. And um, I, was, I used to go, I, I'd do my radio show on Kerrang, and then I'd head down to the venue. And this one was in Birmingham somewhere, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been the Barfly. It might have been the, I can't remember, actually. I'm not going to remember. And uh, I was sitting there waiting for him and he wasn't, he didn't turn up for loading. I was like, for fuck's sake, what's going on? So it was tight. They had the, the, the support bands that they were ready. I was like, well, this is no good. We've got no headliners. What's happening? And I was panicking. I, and I do flap a bit. 
Anyway, so I, I had his number, so I used to phone up. Shifty, what's going on? Uh, well, we've had a terrible journey from Scotland. I said, Scotland? We're supposed to be in Birmingham. Don't worry, love. No, in fact, he didn't call me love. He wasn't like... Um, he might have called me love. Don't worry, love. It'll be fine. We'll get there. Anyway, it wasn't fine. He was late, right? But it wasn't too. It wasn't beyond saving because doors hadn't opened. Um, so that you know, I'm on the phone. How how far are you going to be? Oh, there's been a massive crash on the M6. We're stuck. I was like, for God's sake, man, you've got to get. Anyway, they finally turned up, and they were in a van. They were driving themselves. It was him and two other guys in the band, and uh, yeah, they were their own like tour tour managers and their own everything they were doing their own thing and so i ran down to the to, to, to their little van i was like chris and i'd already interviewed him before i'd interviewed taylor and, and and nate and chris backstage at the nia as well and dave didn't turn up because he had a sore throat ronnie being like yours love he said i gotta save my throat I gotta Feel save friend. it so anyway so we had a little bit of a connection and i was like christopher come on we've got to get on with this give me something to carry so i'm in the back of his van and uh, it gives me something small to carry, like a guitar or something. I said, "Just load me up, love. Come on, we haven't got time to piss about." So anyway, I'm I'm double. I've I've got two. You know, my arms are full, and and I'm carrying. I said, "And um, what did he say? I'm going to miss the punchline here." <laughs> I, I said, "I said, love. I said you shouldn't be carrying all this. You're a food fighter." And he said, "You shouldn't be carrying all this. You're red hot Emma Scott." <laughs> And, and we and we said it don't matter who we are, love. We got a gig to get on with. We've got to carry on. We got to hurry up. So let's just get this gear upstairs and get on with it. And we got sound checked, and it was a great gig. So um, yeah, I love I love the Foos. They're a great band. Amazing. What venue was that, Em? I can remember. Well, it, it could have been. The, I, I want to say the Barfly because we used to do a lot of gigs at the Barfly, and I and it, but it might have been like the Institute or something. It wasn't a massive venue. Um, it wasn't a massive venue. I did I did do the asylum because you've you've um you've got your Kerrang and Planet Rock thing at the asylum. That is a great venue. Yeah. I, I remember I put on a gig there and with the automatic. Do you remember what's that coming? Oh over wow, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. They were my it, that was a Christmas mm. gig as well, and they were headlining, and I got absolutely hammered. I cannot remember what was going we were on. We're talking about but them I, the other day. They were one of those bands who kind of it was a chumba wumba, wasn't it? It was just like. Bang. Yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. song. It's on all the adverts. I know. They got a good sync on that. Yeah. <laughs> they probably paid off their mortgages on that. Um and yeah, they've dined out on that for a for a very long time. So it, yeah. once you've once you get your sync in, you're all right. But uh, yeah, that was a great gig. But I, I can't remember anything about it. I was absolutely mortal. Oh, I got really mortal <laughs> with um Bullet for My Valentine once as well. That, to the point that we weren't allowed to put any photos online of that gig because Padge was in a very compromising position on the floor. Um, Matt wasn't too bad. Me was and Padge were Kerrang horrific. Awards, or was it that in... was not at the Kerrang Awards. That was a private gig that they were DJing at in Wolverhampton, um, the Wolfram Hall. And I was DJing. I was the Kerrang sort of representative hosting and, you know, but, um, and the promoter was a guy called Tice. Um, he, He's a really, he's a really good guy, and he provided a really good rider. And there was a lot of vodka, and and uh, we got mortal. And um, I ended I ended up weeing in the shower <laughs> after, <laughs> after collapsing, and um, and then we had to go out on stage and like DJ and stuff. But that was great. 
we we put um we put a load of red lipstick on Padge, he and uh, he he was loving it. But we weren't allowed to upload any pictures to our MySpace profiles because that yes. was when it was. <laughs> Please, could you take those down? There was and, a lot um, of photos that couldn't get uploaded did. of the boys. Um, I, I think my funniest one is I <laughs> I heard Jay was gaffer taped to a wall, <laughs> literally gaffer taped him to a wall. Um, oh, they know. Fucking left in there as well, like literally gaffer taped. It was a. That's one where of my favourite stories. God, yeah, where where are out. those photos? Where are those photos? Is well, I've, that, got is them, that, I've got them in an album somewhere. Is that kind of like some of your favourite times around that 2007, 2010 mark? Are yeah, the... well, yeah, Kerrang! I did five years at Kerrang! Mm. 2004 to 2009. And yeah, those certainly are um, those like mind-blowing um, memories that you just can't forget. Gerard Way was lovely from My Chemical Romance. Um, didn't um, that was ISDN, unfortunately, but he was just so lovely, you know, just such a sweet and very, you know, unassuming guy, and really interested that I'd actually spent time listening to his album. So as I could interview, I was like, well, that's part of the job. I have to listen to the whole album to be able to talk to you about it. And he was just really humbled by. He was lovely. Um, yeah. So yeah, meeting meeting bands like that and and talking to bands like that, that's that's always lovely. But then you know, I I met my hero uh, from from when I was uh, nine, Adamant. And uh, again, before your time, boys, before your time. <laughs> but um, I, I remember me, Adam, you know, Prince Charming. Yeah, you know, he is. Um, bloody legend. I was, I absolutely adored Adamant. And, and in, it was 1994. So 19, 1994 going to 95, um, he came back, he had an album called Wonderful. And I got to interview him as well. Um, and I can still remember, you know, walking around the corner of the radio station. It was Horizon Radio in Milton Keynes. And I, I and it was that moment where I was like, oh, God, what's he going to be like? Is he going to? They always say never meet your idols. Mm. And I was like, God, if he turns out to be an absolute knock joblet or where I'm cock job jo- twat. Um, I if he turns out to be a giblet face or something, I won't be happy. Um, but anyway, he was an absolute dream to interview. He was so sweet. And he gave me his address and his telephone number. And he said, come and see me. And we ended up having a few dates as well. So that was very nice, dating one's idol. Mm. Um, anyway, uh, so that was good. So I think really it's it's you can have like some some of my radio jobs have been have not been so good. Um, I think it is when you meet bands and and they're bands that you really like and appreciate the music. I think that does make the time go, you know, a lot better. And you can have these stories. I didn't, I, I forgot a lot of those stories. They were just coming out. I was like, oh, well, there was that time when I did that. And it's time when I did. But um, yeah, some of my um, experiences in radio have been really shit, actually. And, you know, when you end up doing shows in the middle of the night. And, and radio for me was... It was like a dream, a, a dream career, you know, I absolutely uh, adored radio and I still love radio now. And, and to get to be, you know, a full-time presenter, um, I was 19. I, I said to Ronnie earlier when we were doing our little practice session, um, I said they made me say I was older because I was so young. And, and you know, this girl turns up, she's 19 years old and she's doing a drive time show. And they, they made me say I was 23 because people wouldn't take me seriously if they knew I was only 19. Um, so there's lots of stories. You, you know, you get a lot of stuff that you have to go along with and, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I spent a lot of time. That, that, that 25 years on radio was um, mostly spent moving around the country 
Um, you know, I went from like Bedford over to Bristol. Um, that's when I was 19. So I'd moved all the way over the other side of the country. And then I went back to Milton Keynes. Then I went back to Bristol. Then I went down to Plymouth. Then I went up to Newcastle, hated it in Newcastle, completely on my own, didn't know a soul. And I was on in the middle of the night um, and Friday and Saturday evening. So <laughs> social life, there isn't one. Um, it was horrific. I really hated it. I was so depressed. I did a, I did a Britney when I was in Newcastle, cut all my hair off, um, to, uh, dyed it black, it, uh, quiffed it up. I looked a bit like Elvis. Actually, to be fair, it was quite a good look. Um, but it, it used to be long and blonde and flowing, and then one day it was short and black and quiffed. But uh, that was my Britney moment. I was there before Britney, though. Gotta say, she copied <laughs> me. Uh, so, yeah, I was really depressed in Newcastle. And I was there for a year and a half. And then I went down to Sheffield when I worked at Hallam FM. I had a much better time there as I was doing a better show and uh, I used to do, I had a free choice show again with the, um, like a three hour show where you could play new music. And I, and then I'd, I'd meet bands like Muse and uh, who else was out? I remember meeting Muse and they were so, they were just, just starting and they were just a couple of timid, couple of timid boys from Devon. Um, but they were lovely. Um, and so, yeah, but loads of sessions uh, around that sort of time, around like 97, 98, 99, then where did I go? So then I had my first daughter in 2000, and I had seven weeks off. That was a massive maternity leave I had because um, as a self-employed freelancer, you don't get any maternity rights. You don't get any sick pay, nothing like that. And uh, my ex-husband, you can tell why he's an ex, he didn't work, so uh, I had to do the you know mum and the dad thing. So I had to go back to work. I was still breastfeeding. So I was sitting in the studio during my songs on Hallam FM with my breast pump, <laughs> pumping out my milk. <laughs> I had to put a curtain across. Do not enter. Emma's pumping out her milk. And, uh, you know, once my boobs had gone, they'd gone, wouldn't they? You know, they got to come, that milk's got to come out. <laughs> and, it, and, and it came out. So um, in, between, <laughs> in between songs, um, it's ridiculous, really, looking back, the things I used to do. Uh, where did I go after Hallam FM? I told my boss to shove his job at there because I had a bit of postnatal depression. That didn't end well. Um, so that one ended. Then I went down to Brighton. Um, and then I went to Portsmouth sort of way, Fairham way, Power FM. And I really liked that. I really liked that down there. It was great. Then Birmingham to Kerrang. And then uh, where did I go there? Then Devon to, to Harp. The last three years in radio was, was in Devon. So yeah, I spent 25 years moving around the country really. Um, but the best moments were, you know, when you're hanging out with bands, uh, or maybe doing gigs on in front of 10,000 people, they were always good. The power in the park gigs were always good and, um, amazing. Yeah. I've done some amazing things. I but, didn't really I'm, think it was be... that amazing, but yeah, it was. Yeah. It sounds it. It really does. Um, good fun. But obviously then you thought about putting all that information, all that experience into a book. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I would... Uh, well, musicians annoy me, Shane, um, if I'm honest. We are annoying. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about you necessarily, although, uh, you know, if you were to... <laughs> <laughs> Who have you been talking to? Who have you been talking to? Oh, just Ronnie. Um, <laughs> no. Um, My fault. It was... I, Sorry, I love you guys. Um, yeah, look, that's that. That was my second book. Um, if it was my band, I love the fact that you you've got all these pretty pictures up. That's cool. Yeah, I've just got like I've got my actual. That was this was the first ever version of if it was my band. It's got like the 
pretend thing. And it's a good, yeah, I basically, it's got pictures in it and everything. My, um, I'm not <clears> trying to sell this book, by the way, it's sold out. You can't buy it. Um, but I've got to, um, I have got to read, uh, rewrite this. Like, you know, pretty getting gigs and things like that. Um, I basically, yeah, my first book was uh, was this one, How to Get Radio Airplay. And I've, again, I've got to redo that as well because, let's face it, things change after six months in this game. But I wrote If It Was My Band because of my dealings with musicians because um, they were... They were emailing me uh, for gigs, for the Emma Scott Presents gigs. They were emailing me for, you know, a record deal with that record label I used to run. Um, radio Airplay, they were trying to get Radio Airplay. So every interaction I had with a musician pissed me off in some way because <laughs> there were so many mistakes that they were making. And and it was just, it, I just thought, God, what? Come on, what? If it was my band, I would never send an email like that. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. There's a title for a start. There's my title. And I used to just sit every time something irritated me or something wasn't right or something was completely wrong, you know, like just bands just not sending links to their music or something like that. I mean, you're talking 10 years ago or something. I don't know, five years, 10 years. Um, every time something annoyed me, I, re I had a little post-it note on my desk and I'd just write down um, not including social media um, mm -hmm. URL. Or, I don't know. I mean, it was a while ago. Um, or, you know, just... I don't know, linking me to their MySpace page and nothing else kind of thing. So anyway, but I, so I had a lot of post-it notes on my desk and, and then I made it into this whole thing. And then we got, I got an illustrator on board and she designed the, um, look how, how to manage the band. And the, the manager, I, I really like the manager guy because he's a right little dick, isn't he? Look at him. They look <laughs> like that, don't they? Um, he's horrible. <laughs> And oh, he's an absolute bell end, and I can't be doing with that shit. Look, there he is. There he is at his desk with his, <laughs> his cigar. But anyway, it's all quite childlike, but I quite like it. The deep, there's a bit. There's a whole section on getting radio airplay because I was quite good at that. Um, and this is based on my friend Johnny Doom at Kerrang. Oh, cool. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, yeah. Obviously, he's got white hair. He's got black hair in real life but that was the cartoon picture of him so i basically did um that book to try and educate musicians to to help them and um a few people bought it and yeah i, I think you know a lot of people ask me you know what advice would you give bands well educate yourself educate i have no idea what time it is is it nearly 10 o'clock have i got to go home soon i'm just getting yeah, started i remember when we started off emma and um i remember when you sent me a text or an email Did I be bucket? yeah what? um i was down i was, was down it when we were on tinder together love swiping each other Shh. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> i'm only joking as if as if my love as if um, right sorry <laughs> That's the third one. Me and That's Shane. That's the third book. Mm, mm. Anyway, sorry, Shane. Now. Carry on. Sorry. No. Um, I completely threw me off now. You, ah! I, remember you, I remember when you emailed. I was down Ogwa by Sea, on the seafront, and um, I, I had an email from you just saying. I really don't know what you're going to say right now. No, just saying, Emma, here, Emma Scott, love your stuff. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm hearing you again play. Um, congratulations, loving your music. Um, if you need any help at all, drop me an email. 
And he oh. wasn't, you know what I mean? He was, he was just That's a helping just like hand. He loves you. I know, but I would, I would, I'd, I'd quite happily do your plugging. I'd love to do your plugging, but you've got, you've got pluggers. Um, but yeah, I would, I, I like to help anyone. And I do a lot of, I, you know, I shouldn't really say this, but I do do free, free plugging for certain people that are doing like charity records and stuff. I, I did a recent um, free campaign for uh, a guy. It was for um, Alzheimer's. What's the other name for that? I can't remember. Well, I can't remember. But it was uh, it was a charity song that he'd written for his mum, and it was a guy that I've known for. He's Welsh, funny enough. Um, Andy Huntley, and he wanted some help, and I just couldn't fit it in. I, I said I can't fit it in. It's also a ballad, and I don't really do ballads. I said, but you know what, Andy? I said, as it's you, and as it's for your mum, uh, dementia thing. Uh, I will. I'll. I'll do that for you. And, you know, we got him some nice airplay. Um, but yeah, usually I have to pay. They have to pay. I don't pay. I don't pay to do someone's plug-in. They pay me. But, yeah, usually um, people people do hire me and I can pay my bills. But, um, yeah, I, I love to do helpful things. I was doing um, as part of my master's degree. It was all, My whole dissertation was about how do I – well, is it possible to teach musicians how to do their own radio airplay? And as a radio plugger, I kind of could be shooting myself in the foot here. But, uh, hey, that was the innovative part of the master's that I – ticked that box in um and i i did um some webinars i've done things oh sorry i'm a dick for four <laughs> webinars <laughs> i have no idea this is what my webinars are like i was like where was i what was i talking about what do you write to djs oh right yeah this is what you do anyway um so yeah i was doing these how to get radio airplay webinars they were free um i've done i've turned it into a podcast there's three chapters like part one part two part three and i've turned it into a youtube uh, like tutorial thing powerpoint thing that's on youtube it's everything's for free um i'd give the books away for free if i could um but they cost quite a lot of money to actually buy i think next time i'll just do uh like a pdf or something then you know, i can do that free as well but um yeah if i was going to give some advice to bands I'd say educate yourself on the industry, you know, because there's stuff that you need to know. Uh, but I think musicians can be quite lazy and, um, yeah, they need to improve in, in that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, we've been in bands before we this one and, and we've been doing it since, God, 14, 15, whatever. And it did take us a long time to, because musicians just think, oh, I just got to be good on stage. But there's so much more you've got to do. There's no point being like the best of what you do on stage if you're not getting people there to come and see you. And and um, we've had this discussion many times on Crowcast. So um, yeah, people like you who can, you know, sort of source out that, and, and well, you buy a book. I remember buying a book actually. Um, well done. Early day, early doors, and it had all the the record labels. It was like this big. It was like a bible. Yeah. Um, and sending stuff off, but then a lot of people saying it's unsolicited material. We can't listen to it. Blah blah. And and so it was like I think I paid something like twenty nine quid for it. And I was like waste of fucking time. But um, a guide yeah. to the industry or That's something. It, yeah. Oh man, there's so many good ones, right? So there's these. <clears throat> this is this is a good one. And and this there's a new version. There's a new version of this. So Donald S. Passman, all you need to know about the music business. That's the tenth edition. I think he's probably done an eleventh already, right? That's a really good one. This is, I think, probably trumps that one. Ari Herstand, because he's actually a musician himself. How to make it in the new music business? See, new. It's all mm. new. Yeah, that's a. That's a, that is a, it's a whopper. It's got a couple of little uh, post-it notes in, right? This is, and 
There's another one here. Now this, and, and he's American. So sometimes, you know, you don't want to be listening to Americans, but this lady is uh, British and she's got an eighth or ninth version of that music, the business and Anne Harrison. That is a really good book to get. Also Damien. Oh shit. I've just dropped all my stuff. Sorry. Um, also, Damien Keys. That's got like see-through. That's weird. That's isn't pretty it? cool. That's Why wicked. is that doing that? I feel a little bit spaced out. But anyway, Damien Keys. Um, now, Damien Keys is a top dude, and he's got loads on YouTube, hasn't he? And uh, he just does tutorials all the time. How to get a million streams on Spotify, you know? And and he's made a lot of money out of you know knowing stuff. Um, and that book's great, and he's done other books as well. And and you can join like Damien Key's like school of rock, or I, I don't know what it's called, right? But you can, you know, you you've got to pay him to be on it. There's loads of things like that, and of course you can go and do a, a master's degree in the music industry, like I just did. I, I actually did my master's degree with Water Bear just to get out of the music industry. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I've had enough of it. I've been doing this for over thirty years man and boy um and i um i i I thought i need a i need to get out of here i need a job but i didn't have enough gcses so i spoke to bruce dickinson at water bear i said bruce can i come and do some teaching or something i know of a few things and he said no i've got enough tutors he says do the masters this year because we talked about it a couple of years before i said oh for god's sake it was covid so no one had any anything to do we couldn't leave the house so i did that and um I didn't get out of the music industry. In fact, I got more involved in it and I wanted to help more people in the music industry. So damn it, that didn't work. Um, but yeah, but funnily enough, as part of my dissertation, I'm going to mention you guys now um, because I was talking about that. There's one, right. So I'm going to just get lost if I try and do too many things, but there's one big thing I will tell bands. If you are trying to get and musicians, not just bands. If I say band, I mean musician. You can be solo as well. Um, I will tell bands. The 90-second rule. And I was talking to Ronnie about this earlier, and I'm just going to pick up my notes because they've just fallen on the ground, right? And this was actually part of my research for my master's, and um, you guys were part of my research. Um, based. Oh, shit, I've just dropped that as well. I'm not doing very well here. I think my table's a bit wonky. It keeps moving around. Um, I've got a pen. I'm very studious. So the 90-second rule, right? Now, this is this is interesting, right? So if any musician is listening to this and is, is going to take anything from this, this shenanigans, whatever this is we're doing, right? Just talking shit. Um, if anyone's going to take anything from this, I'm, I'm going to tell you this is going to be really helpful, okay? Um, and it's the 90-second rule. When I was at Kerrang, we used to have playlist meetings and a lot of people don't realize that radio stations uh, have playlists you know a list b list c list and the djs cannot deviate from the list it's a you get a running order and you follow your list there's no choice you don't sit there and go through a record box and choose what you want to play very rare that any dj gets any free choice okay so like wyatt on planet rock he has an hour and he plays new rock but that's the only show really he can't choose any other music on his um, on his show same with, you know, Paul Anthony, we talked about Darren, you know, they've all got a playlist. And so uh, and that goes for every radio station in the country, be it Heart or Radio X or Radio 1, Radio 2, all of that. So anyway, Kerrang! had their playlist meetings on Wednesdays. And the head of music would uh, would go into the uh, meeting 
with a with a team, a playlist team. You know, some of the DJs were allowed to go, some salespeople were allowed to go and choose um, because they liked, you know, a little demographic, you know, they wanted a widespread. The secretary would sometimes, the receptionist would sometimes go in, I'd sometimes go in, um, and the head of music, Loz, would go in. And they'd have a pile of CDs. This was when we had CDs because it was, you know, early 2000. And, it, it, you know, we'd have a pile, like maybe, maybe 15, 20 CDs. Um, we'd put each CD in the CD player for 1 minute 30. That was it, 90 seconds. You'd press play, and as soon as it hit 1 minute 30 on the timer, it would get ejected. So we'd only ever be able to hear the song for 1 minute 30. And then the song, the CD got placed on the on the table. And at the end of going through the 20, we'd, we'd heard 1 minute 30, and that was all. Didn't matter if they hadn't reached their chorus by that point. If they hadn't reached the chorus, we hadn't got excited. Tough shit. So anyway, we then had to choose out of those 20 on the table. We had to go and put our hand on the on the song that we liked most. We'd have to try and remember it, of course, because there's 20. It's quite difficult. I was a bit younger then, so it was all right. Um, and then the one that had the most hands on it, because we'd all have to physically put our hands on the CD, on the song that we like best. And bearing in mind, we've only heard when it half. And the one that had the most hands on it made it onto the playlist. Um, and if it was a sort of toss up, if, if, you know, like 10 people had gone for the new Green Day record and um, 11 had gone for the new Foo Fighters record, you know, that, that they might have to put Green Day and Foo Fighters on that week. Um, but anyway, my point being, it made me think, you know what, that, and I asked the guys at Kerrang, why was it one minute 30? And they said, well, we just thought that, you know, if, if we hadn't got into a song by that time, the, the listeners listening wouldn't have got into it. So, and, and a lot of um, musicians that I've spoken to about the one minute 30 thing, they're like, wow, is it that long? Because I thought we had to really, you know, make an impression in the first 10 seconds. I was like, well, you know, these days, of course it is. But this is, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but my whole point being 90 seconds. If you can't get your intro done, your first verse, your chorus, and into your second verse by 1 minute 30, you can go, I was going to say fuck yourself there. Better not swear. We won't swear. Um, you might as well not bother, right? If you're trying to get radio airplay and you're still pissing about at one minute and you haven't even started singing yet, don't bother sending it to radio. There's no point. We haven't got time for that. People, you know, I, I think you really should be getting everything away in 60 seconds, get in there as, as quickly as you can. And so getting back to my point about those damn crows, um, I, I studied... So I've studied all of the songs on the first album, of course, Murder and the Motive, and um, <laughs> I've gone through them all. COVID, I've gone through all of them. And um, don't, right, here we go. Don't give a damn. Chorus, 43 seconds. Blink of an eye, 53. Uh, Someone Someday, 101. That's all right, though. Rock and Roll Ain't Dead, one minute. Behind These Walls, 57. Uh, say it now that that was a double verse so that you know we had to let that one off chorus came in at 126 but it's all right because we had a i mean i'm not being funny but i would have brought that up with you all right still i got a story about that i will come back to that one now good i want to hear that story uh seven days 45 seconds the fighter 55 breakaway 33 fear of the break right it goes on you get the drift okay and then on point of no return textbook again textbook Every band should be like those damn crows, right? So then Who Did It, 48, Set in Stone, 25, Sin on Skin, the best song, 
57 seconds, pushing it a little bit there, but you know, probably worth it. Probably worth it. Um, BU is 44 seconds. Now, Never Win. Now, Never Win is a bit of a different song. And the chorus came in at 131. So you would have failed that. However, it's a ballad, so it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Oh, it's all right. Um, but that you still got away with it, right? Because no one is going to switch that anyway. Send the Reaper 39, Kingdom of uh, Dust 47, going down 33, you know, textbook, okay? And the point is, you are well into your second verse by 1 minute 30. So if you're in that Kerrang! radio meeting, people are going to be loving that and they're going to be putting their hands all over you and your CD. And, <laughs> and then you'll be straight in that meeting. Um, but you're more of a planet rock band, to be fair. But, um, you know, that's my point. And I did the same research for, you know, Radio X. I listened to Radio X. I monitored Heart. You know, and, and you have to, the most important thing is get it on and get on your, in, into your chorus as quickly as you can. Stop dicking about, you know, and stop sending really, really long songs to radio because they haven't got time. You know, three minutes 30, three minutes 45 tops, really. You know, you can you can push it if you're a rock band at four minutes, but... I got a five, five and a half minute song sent to me the other day from Primordial. And I just wrote back. I said, is there an edit? And she, she or he said, uh, no, there isn't. I said, I can't play it. I said, I could play two in the time of playing that one. I said, I want to get loads of songs on. I'm not going to play that. Do me an edit. Uh, so anyway, I, was, I am quite harsh now because I just think that people should know to stop sending five and a half minute songs to radio if you want radio airplay. But um, it, it yeah, is, it is. I mean, you saying that, I, I don't know if anybody listening, whether they think that's common knowledge or clearly it's not if you're getting stuff sent to you um, five, six minutes long. But for us, that was like a gimme f from word go, like when we were kids, because that, yeah. they're the songs that we loved. You know, those massive, we talk about it all the time, massive choruses. Like if you mm. haven't got a chorus, I don't give a shit how good your verse is, it, mm. it, like it's going to fail. Um, yeah. So it was always about getting to the chorus as quickly as possible yes. um, without, without, with the story, with a backstory, with a, with a queuing up. It's, the song has got to do that gradual thing, but quickly. And the mad yes. thing is about Say It, I don't know if I remember this wrong, and, and I'm not putting anybody under the bus here, but we had an arrangement of Say It, and then we had a producer. Who changed that arrangement? Which is why it's longer than what it is. There was another. There was another verse. Yeah, there was a double verse. Yeah, that would have gone under ninety seconds. <laughs> and we said, "Ah, oh, that's unusual for the crows." Okay, yeah. let's do it. But it's fine. Well, it's fine. It wasn't a it single, was it? It, yeah. it, it no. didn't matter anyway. Um, and that's only really for singles. You really, you can do whatever you like for your album tracks. Yeah, you, you literally can have a ten-minute song if you want a ten-minute song. Um, but if you're sending to radio um, or if you're sending to gig promoters or, you know, record labels or management companies or, you know, booking agents, if you're trying to make an impact, make the bloody impact. Don't fuck about and put a bloody six minute song on where it's going to take three minutes for you to start bloody singing. I don't want to hear it. No one's got time for that. You know, you've got to make the, you know, forget about the 90 second rule, 30 second rule. Get on with it. Uh, anyway, so uh, I don't like to rant too much, but it's important. <laughs> No, I'm all I, about I, the 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah. All about the 90 seconds. All about the 90 seconds. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. if we're lucky, I, I mean, <laughs> that's not a good day. Places I could go anyway. Let's not. What? Let's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you um, when when you said about COVID and and obviously working with Prime Primordial, um, yeah. did you find that radio was doing better in that period? Um, because we've had a few DJs on, and they actually said it was almost people were working more from home, so they were making more effort, and shows were getting bigger like do you know what i mean it was more yeah. attention on shows so. it's, it's weird because um radio um radio listening is uh, monitored by uh radio company yeah, i don't know what, what it actually means i can't remember radio audience joint or whatever radio yeah, yeah, yeah. but radio had to stop as soon as covid uh, started because radio basically send out diaries their listening diaries they um you know they post these listening diaries out to people's addresses and then the, the people you know they fill in all right monday morning at 6 a.m i listened to uh, paul anthony on planet rock i listened for 20 minutes tick uh, later on i listened to wyatt on planet rock tick and so you and you go through oh i listened to johnny doom at 10 p.m on kerrang oh i listened to primordial da, 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 blah, blah 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 so you tick your diary but the problem is that, that and that's how you get radio listeners people say oh it, it must be on you know what they can tell if you've got your, your radio on or so no you, you can't tell it is basically a, a diary it is a it is a physical piece of paper that you fill in really old-fashioned but it's been going like that for long that's how you get your radio listeners filling in the radio diary anyway because of covid they weren't allowed to send these diaries out because they weren't allowed to have anyone touching anything because you know you can't even go to a restaurant and touch a menu can you um so we couldn't have the diaries so it was ironic that that was the time where people were listening to the radio more, uh, but nobody could actually say, we've got more listeners now. They knew they had, but they couldn't really advertise it. Anyway, Rajar's just started again, um, and and the listenership has shown that people are now listening to the breakfast show, so they're not having to drive to work now. So like, if, if it was an 8 a.m. peak, I think it's now a, 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 10, a 10 a.m. peak, that's like the peak listening now. So the breakfast show DJs are <laughs> not very happy because people aren't having to get up at half six in the morning, get in the car at half past seven and drive to the office or whatever because they're not driving to the office. They're sitting around in their slippers and uh, in a, and their dressing gowns and they're getting up at 10. So, yeah, it, um, radio listening has changed and, pe and people have been tuning in. Um, and, yeah, there's there's... And a lot of people ask me, oh, are, people, are people still listening to the radio or is it all about Spotify? And I'm like, well, of course, of course people are listening to the radio and they're really shocked by that. I can't actually remember what your question was, Ronnie, but um, it was something about radio. Yeah, just <laughs> when you're hitting all the points, you, you hit everything I asked. It was more like... Right, right. I think condensed it is that. You find like it's picked up more because... It has. Pre-COVID, a lot of people were saying, oh, radio's dying um i i listen to a lot of podcasts um but i also listen to radio so whether it be talk sport radio x planet rock um i'll listen to a, a range of, of shows so i'm still of that that mindset that generation where i like i like that mm -hmm. vibe especially in the car um because sometimes i don't know i can get lost in a playlist like you know or there's there's almost too much choice so i didn't know mm -hmm. if covid kind of helped that in a way where people come 
more connected with the radio. Yeah, that's that's um, the thing about radio. It is that connection, and and you've got you've got that one to one connection with the the DJ, the broadcaster, the presenter, yes. whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and also people were listening to the radio for information. You know, they they want to know what's going on. How many people have got COVID in our town? Um, you know, the, the travel news became obsolete, you know, <laughs> nobody was out on the roads. Um, so yeah, everything changed. Um, listening habits have changed. And of course, you know, a lot more people are at home and they're not even having to switch the radio on They They can just get their, um, I, I don't want to say it too loud cause she's behind me, Alexa. Um, and, and all of those things to start, she's going to start. No, she, she's all right. She hasn't heard me. She hasn't heard me. My my neighbor's called Alexa, and I bet you she really gets annoyed because I'm always shouting, Alexa. But anyway, um, my walls are very thin in this house. Alexa, give yes. mask off Amazon. <laughs> oh, I'd love if she heard that. I don't think she can hear because I've got headphones she's on. She's got headphones on. Uh... I'm yeah, you can't do that sort of thing around here just because you like gimp masks love it's all coming out now anyway so what do you uh let's talk about radio and how many people are listening and the, and the difference between radio and spotify right so there's uh i'll, I'll do your pop quiz ronnie you know okay. the answer to this this is just for shane okay uh what is the most listened to radio station in the uk that's for me now yeah yeah yes I, I... I, I'm I, the quiz really master know. now. Ronnie Radio got this one. wrong. Radio 2. Uh, uh, first answer, thank you very much. Radio uh, 2. Yeah, no, yeah, that was your second answer. Failed okay. on the first. Anyway, yeah, it is Radio 2. And you thank know you how much. many people... Listen, you got one point. 14.6 million people listen to Radio 2 every week. That is a phenomenal amount of people, right? So, you know, people might slag Radio 2 off or whatever. It's their most listened to radio station by a mile. BBC Radio 1 has got 8.25 million people a week. Um, and Six Music has 2.69 million. All right, so they're like the big BBC stations. And then, of course, in Radioland, if, if you want to learn, uh, if any musicians are out there and want to learn a little bit about radio, don't bother with the two main radio groups in the UK because they don't play independent artists. They just don't, all right? They've got no interest in you. Sorry but they don't. So you've got Global and you've got Bauer. And Global has the top four commercial brands in the UK. Ronnie got this right. Heart, Heart, uh, like number one, Capital, Smooth and Classic FM. And they've got 27.7 million listeners a week across those brands. So they've got a fair amount of listenership, right? So Global's doing really well. People slag off Heart. Oh, fucking hell, they play the same songs all the time. They've got the most bloody listeners though, haven't they? Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't want to rant too much, but actually Heart has now got 8.4 million listeners per week, which is more than Radio 1. So Radio 1 ain't happy with that because they got 8.25. Um, Radio X is part of Global. They've got 1.94 million per week, and I think Chris Moyles has got about a million of those. So he's doing well. Um, Classic FM has got 5 million a week. So what about the classical love? You well, start doing a nice little classical record, get yourself playlisted right on day. there. <laughs> Tell your love you'll be retiring on your PRS payments. Get it on. <laughs> Can you imagine? Right? Can you imagine how much Ed Sheeran must be getting from his PRS royalties? Oh my Christ! And Adele, imagine how much. Mm. You know, uh, I think one of our, one of my bands got played on Radio Two, like on the Rock Show on Radio Two, Spot Play. 
and got like 80 quid. So imagine if you were played on, on heart or a capital station all over the country, like mm. 20 times a day or hundred times a day, those 70, 80 quids are, I mean, it's a phenomenal amount of money. And this is where you earn your money musicians. It's, it's getting in PRS and it's getting in PR PPL and, and bloody getting a sink. The sinks are good. Um, but anyway, they're hard to get. One of my, uh, another friend of mine, this is how much money you can earn from publishing. He got uh, one of his songs um, on a Hollywood, well, it was a Hollywood film. I know which one it was, something about Romeo and Juliet. I can't remember. It might have been that. It but might it, have been um, that. it might have been Romeo and Juliet, but I, I think it, uh, it might be a different thing. But uh, the producer really liked the band. And I won't mention it because it was pri private information, but I can still give you the, f the figures. And the producer really liked this band and, and wanted a song of theirs on the soundtrack. And so asked permission of the band, said, look, can we have that song? And, and of course, the band said, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> Don't mind if we do. £300,000 they got for having one song on this film. It didn't even make it onto the film. It was in the end credits. £300,000. And he said, we paid off our publishing deal straight away. And then everything we earned through publishing was ours. We didn't have to share it with anyone. I was like, fucking hell, that's where the money is. Anyway... I digress. Um, and then Bauer is the other big radio brand, and they, they're behind Global, which annoys them quite a lot. But they're doing quite well. They've got 20 million a week, uh, and they've got all of the absolute radios. There's about nine absolute radios now. The main absolute radio's got like two and a half million a week. And then as part of Bauer, you've got the Greatest Hits Network, you've got the Hits Radio Network, you've got KISS, Jazz FM, Scala, so classical stuff, um, Country, uh, and then, of course, you've got the two one, the two stations that I love the most, We got as well as Primordial, of course, but they're not owned by Bauer because Primordial is on its own. Um, Kerrang Radio and Planet Rock are owned by Bauer, um, and these stations do have the odd spot play for musicians, but otherwise everything's playlisted. So like Wyatt will have his new rock show and Johnny Doom has a bit of spot play and um, Alex Baker on his Fresh Blood show on Wednesdays. He's got free choice, right? But otherwise it's all playlisted. Um, Kerrang! Radio has got 473,000 listeners a week. It's good. And Planet Rock has 1.33 million a week. Right there. <laughs> It's good. It's good. They've, they've gone up. They used to be 1.2 and they've gone up. Um, and considering Kerrang! isn't actually available on the radio anymore and it's not on DAB, I, and that's appointment listening. That's people that have actually, you know, got the app, are listening online, asking Alexa um, or going on Freeview. They're, you know, that's people. That's 473,000 people that love Kerrang! that much that they're making a real effort to listen to it. So, um, yeah, people love Kerrang! and Planet Rock still and um yeah that's radio so but and there are but there are about um 1200 radio stations in the uk that aren't all owned by glower at glower by global or bauer um but if, if you're an independent artist and you want airplay on any of those radio stations don't waste your time because they don't there it's all it's all playlisted and um you know people are shocked by that and and i had one of my clients one, one of my plug-in baby clients who said oh can we, can we get on the Radio X evening show? And I said, uh, no, but basically I said, no, you can't, <laughs> you're not on the playlist. And, uh, he was like, but, but that's not fair. I said, well, what do you mean? It's not fair. That's how it works. He's got a playlist and he sticks to it. I said, John Kennedy has a free choice show. 
He's on Fridays and Saturday nights. I said, he's spot played you before. He said, yeah, but I want to be on the evening show. I said, it ain't going to happen, mate. You know, and, and this is the people that I'm working with that are, they're still unsure about, you know, what's going on. I bet they, it's funny because I bet they think I've failed if, if I don't get them on heart or capital or smooth or something. But, then, but I wouldn't even bother sending them to those radio stations. Yeah, well, like, I can see the naivety. I can see the naivety, especially like, I would have said years and years ago when we were starting off, when you start paying pluggers or if you're independent band and you're paying people, you expect this is it. They're going to, they're going to get it on radio one. They're going to, you know, and, and I think when that doesn't happen, you don't think of the, the real life mm. answers. Like you just give the odd thing. Well, no, it's not going to happen, mate. I'll, I'll be able to get you on this. You'll have, <laughs> you'll have a few of them and that'll get you maybe to the next level. And then you have to push a bit harder and then you keep knocking down walls unless you've got that one hit, which all of a sudden everybody plays like, you know, and that's a radio plugger's mm. dream is to hold that song in their hand and they present it to everybody and just everybody instantly fucking loves it. And, that's yeah. that's the golden oh, nugget. Oh, it is the dream. Well, it is, and but I imagine all those bands who who just imagine, you know, because we know as musicians, everything you do, you you love and worship because it's it's yours, like you know. So you expect mm. every everybody's going to be on the back of this. So why wouldn't it be on that radio show? Why wouldn't it? So yeah. to know that there there are a bigger, there is a massive picture in all of this, like you know, and it you have to slot in and. And get through those cracks, like you know. So it's all about the cracks, love. You've got, you know, you've got to get in there. Um, you, you've got to. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to um, know what, what you can achieve and what you can't. Some the episode up, Shane, isn't it? Cracks, racks in ninety seconds. <laughs> That's the name yeah, of the next yeah. album, that is. Um, I, mean, you know, I think that'd be a wise move. Do you know when you're um, listening to these? You know when you're listening to these play- playlists and stuff. Um, does it bother you? Um, is there stuff on there that you don't like? Like, what percentage would you say when you when you get the playlists and and you listen to it like, oh, this song really? Do you sometimes think it's a joke? Well, when I'm on I'd... when I'm on the radio, or what, yeah. what playlists are these? So when if I was, you... go on, where yeah. am I? When you're on the radio, when you're on the radio, and you get chosen the the A list, the B list, what have you. Do you agree with the songs that have been chosen? Of course you don't, for heaven's sake. God, bloody hell. This is, so, this, you know, um, and we just, we had a really nice comment there um, from the guy about Primordial. I, I missed that, sorry. Yeah, Simeon. Primordial Radio is owned by the fans it serves, truly independent from the big boys and plays the songs how they're meant to be, unedited. Yeah, we we have all the, all the Fs and all the Fs and all the other shenanigans. Primordial's great and um, it's well worth the subscription. Um Yes, as a as a radio DJ, um, you know, and I did twenty five years of presenting. I always followed a playlist, except for those two, like two or three radio shows that I used to do, where they were free choice. And I I always saw that the 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 Sunday show or the Saturday show that I used to do with the um, free choice was was basically the thing that kept me going because I'd have five days of the week following the playlist and. You know, it wasn't all bad. It's not horrific. I like pop music. You know, I don't. I don't mind Adele and and, and Ed Sheeran. You know, they're fine. But the thing is, you hear them. You, you're playing the same songs every show, and and there isn't any variety. Apparently, it's you know a lot of variety. It's not. Um, but yeah, the playlist can be a bit um, dull, and you you but you just have to crack on. It's part of the job. You you can't you can't change the beast. 
the beast is there and it's always going to be like that. And everybody at Radio 1 is following a playlist. Chris Evans is following a playlist. Joe Wiley is following a playlist. Everyone's got their playlist and you've got to stick to them. Otherwise, you're going to get booted out. You know, you can't deviate from the list. Chris Moyles on Radio X doesn't bother sticking to his playlist. He just talks. So, you know, mm. he, he plays about one song an hour. He doesn't respect the music. He's not interested in the music. And that's that's his act. That's what he does. So, um, but yeah, it, it can be hard work. However, on Kerrang, I loved my time at Kerrang. Those five years on Kerrang, every song on my playlist, I was quite happy with. You know, it, it was a brilliant time for music. Um, and Primordial, you know, I'm quite happy to follow their list as well. You know, some of the stuff I, I don't like too much of the hardcore and all the screamo stuff. I don't like, I like singers. Um, so, you know, I, I'll just, just whatever. I don't, I don't really get involved. I just plan my next link and, and I do my primordial show from my kitchen, which is just behind me. Studio 13. That's where my studio is in my kitchen. So, and I use this little microphone, just a little USB mic and, uh, yeah. Radio shows. It's great. Isn't it? Technology is great, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, primordial and I, and yeah, um, can't remember your question, but I think I might have answered it. Did. Maybe I get confused. You did. You did. <laughs> I forget. I does. Nice. No, it's been fascinating, really, talking to you from your point of view, from you know the other side of the desk, so to speak. Mm. Um. So, will we see you at this festival, the winner? I'll. I'll. Can I be your towel girl? I'll. I'll carry the towels. What about a roadie? Oh well, you know I'm very good at that. Roadie for Schiffler, so yeah, I, I, I'm up, I'm up for being a, a those damn crows roadie, stroke groupie, stroke. I, I could do your merch stand. I could do, I could do I could do merch. Uh, what else can I do? We're saving a bottle here, Shane. This is brilliant. <laughs> Uh, uh, I can do. Ma- I can massage. I'm a very good masseur. So I mean, I'll give you a quick, quick rub down before you go on. Quite, I've got quite, uh, you know, sturdy thumbs. I can get right in there. Um, Hang on. Yeah, gonna... Ch- Chad said that's right. That's right. Chad, Chad loves it. He loves a good <laughs> knee massage. Does Chad? Um, it, you know, quality. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I I I will be at the Primordial Radio event, and, and I suggest that if you are up for seeing uh, those damn crows on the twenty second of April in Lincoln, it's at the Lincolnshire Showground, at the Epic Centre, which is a great venue. Loads of good parking. Um, like the tickets are not that much money, and there's going to be so many bands. And 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 there's this. They do like this. What do they call it? Rock up camping or something where it's like the big glamping tents you can yeah. actually you know make a big like you know a, a nice little mini break out of it and you you know you get your rock up tent and uh and a, and a ticket to the gig and it's a great little festival it's it was not supposed to be a festival but it's just got very big mr pete bailey at primordial radio we've got to say top dude yeah he's, he's cool i like pete he's great, great. I mean, I actually don't like Pete, to be honest, um, you know, because I wanted to interview you guys and he said, you can't do it, Emma, because I just did it. I was like, you knob. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It was just the same at Kerrang. We had to share the bands around. I was like, can I have Leto? I want Leto. Give me Leto. <laughs> and Lars was like, no, I'm having, I'm having Leto. I was like, I, I'm not happy. I want Kroger then. Give me Kroger. 
give me the grill. <laughs> give, give me that tailor, dude. Give me, give me that. Give me that massage room and crew. Dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you never mentioned my rack. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Emma, it's been an absolute blast. Thank Don't you so say it's much. the end. Don't say it's the end. Let's it carry on. What else should we talk about? Oh, we... <laughs> Jesus, look at the time. I'm not being funny, you two, but you've kept me well past my bedtime. I've got stuff to do in the morning. It's unreal. It's unreal. I've got bands to plug. But my, can I just say, musicians, radio pluggers can be really good, but they can also be a bunch of morons. So just be very, very careful. The ones that charge three grand a campaign are not necessarily to be trusted, right? Just because you pay a plugger a thousand pound, five hundred pound, three thousand pound doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get you on the A list of Planet Rock or Kerrang or Radio One on Daniel P. Carter's show. God, it's really hard to get on those shows. It doesn't matter. There's no guarantees, right? So if you're going to take anything from my little twattishness it is the 90 second rule and it is don't expect pluggers to just bring you fame and fortune because you're paying them because some of them are absolute shysters all right they really properly are and that's a very nice message um so just be careful always talk to someone on the phone if you're handing over that much money talk to them scope them out make sure they're on socials make sure they've got a website some of these people they take money off of bands yeah we're going to do this we're going to do that then they disappear with the money and they, they can't find them on Facebook or anything because they've just closed their account and they've gone off with a load of money. Going to set up another fake plugging company. So just be aware that if, before you hand over any money, check. And I'd be quite happy for any and, and, and ask other bands, have you used this company? Are they any good? Always check their current clients. And I, I love it when bands check up on me. I'm like, well, I've been doing this for 33 years. I'm not, I can't really hide. I can't really hide, you know. Um, so, you know, just hang out with the, the trustworthy ones. This industry is full of absolute snaky morons that will take advantage of independent artists because they know that they want their dreams to come true and they'll just lie. Absolutely. Fantastic advice. Yeah, fantastic advice. Emma, thank you so much for your time. Amazing, we will see yes. you. Amazing. We will see you at Primordial. I'm coming over actually before that. I'm kind of I'm going to just come over and just uh, hang out in that massage room that you've mentioned. Um and um we'll you know I think we need to just get into a routine now, a pre <coughs> pre-gig routine where we have the full body. Right. Um I really don't know what I'm talking about now. But yeah, I'll see you on April the 22nd. <laughs> That's going to be a sold-out gig. It's going to be amazing. I want to be your towel girl. I want to bring your water on stage. I want to be on your merch. Uh, I'll, I'll carry you if you need carrying. I can carry quite a lot of weight. I'm heavy. Quite strong. Heavy. He's heavy. He's heavy. He's <laughs> just heavy. That's what he is. He's just big. <laughs> what did yeah. you say earlier? I'm just chunky. Did You didn't say chunky, did you? No. I'm big. I got big, yeah. I got big legs. I got <laughs> <laughs> just heavy. Anyway, I'm going now. <laughs> Great to speak to you. Lovely to see you. Take care, Emma. We will chat really soon. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And Thanks. if anyone wants to get in touch, I'm really easy to get in touch with. I'm on all the socials. Thank you, um, Emma. Yeah. Thank thanks. you so much. See you soon. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel.
For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!